Welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And before we get into this week's episode, as always, I'd like to thank my patrons, Rob, Mary, Emily, Greg, Rocco, and Case. Thank you all for supporting me with your dollars on Patreon. Um, if you too would like to get a shout out at the top of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash stormageddon and join at the $5 level or higher. Um, if you don't have the scratch, I totally get it. We are in weird times at the moment. Please feel free to just write a review and subscribe. Um, liking, subscribing, and writing reviews for this show or any of the other shows I do is the biggest help as it allows me to grow my audience and interact with more fine folks. Enough about that. Enough pitching. It is time to talk about our incredible guest this week. I am chatting with Lisa Foyles, actor, internet nerd, writer, singer, all-around goofy, awesome person. Um, Lisa Foyles is someone I've been a fan of for a long time and who has been about on the internet doing lots of really cool stuff. Um, I've admired her career from afar, and we actually got to chat, in uh, well, as in person as you can do during the end times. But we chatted, we recorded it, it was a blast. Um, I had so much fun catching up with her on all the things she's been working on, including her brand new book, Ash Ridley and the Phoenix which is out now you can buy in all the awesome places where you buy books or audiobooks so definitely go check that out but enough about me babbling about lisa foils instead let's get to the interview where you can hear for yourself my incredible conversation with the brilliant and talented lisa foils I just want to thank you again. I really appreciate you taking the time. Though I know we all have a lot more time <laughs> yes, now. Yes, we do. You caught me at a great time, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Worked out. Um, it does. Um, and actually, what I wanted to start with uh, to talk about is your return to doing some videos, because that's where I think I consume the most of your content. I know I knew you from all that and some other stuff, because I think we're about around the same age. Right. Uh, I will be 37 in October, so just to give you yeah, an idea. Yeah, I'm... 34 this year yeah oh my god i i swear once you turn 30 you just forget your age all the all the years <laughs> just, just blur together yes it's totally true <laughs> um but that said uh i got really into your stuff when you were working on the escapist and you were doing your top fives and all that stuff and then just moved over to doing your own stuff on youtube and so i know the obvious answer is probably you just have more time but what was your decision to come back to youtube and do some more stuff besides promoting the book yeah, so I absolutely love doing videos, any type of content. I mean, you know, obviously, since I have a, like a book coming out and I have, you know, I taught myself how to play guitar and I'm writing original music and, you know, it just, I'm just that person that just constantly has to create, create, create. Um, and then kids came along. <laughs> and it's funny <laughs> how having two tiny little kids just really prevents you from doing anything. Um, I mean, even, you know, it's hard. Like, I love them to death. And that's kind of my decision to step back from, you know, the a lot of the YouTube videos and stuff like that to make sure I'm spending enough time with them in their very, very young years. Um, so, you know, I'm not upset about that or anything, but I do still have this constant thirst to create. And, uh, you know, YouTube is just that perfect outlet where I don't have to answer to a boss. I don't have to fill, uh, you know, a, 
a concept from somebody else. I get to be completely creative, come up with my own sketches and just do whatever I want. And that kind of scratches the itch, you know? Um, I always say the hardest thing about being an actor is that you can't really just do it. (laughs) You know? Okay. So if you're a musician, right, you can go in the other room and pick up your guitar and like play. And you're like, okay, cool. I feel like I've scratched the music itch for today. If you're a singer, you can sing a song and you feel like you've scratched the itch. Um, Anything. You're a tennis player, sports player. Like you, you get you get constant opportunities to scratch that itch. And as an actor, you don't really. Because what am I going to do? Just like go in my spare bedroom and just start doing monologues? Like it's not. I mean, you can, but it's not. The fun of acting is playing off another person and creating a scene with them and working with a director and working with a team. And um, as an actor, you just don't really get to do that very often. You have to, you're at the discretion of other people hiring you on projects. Um, So YouTube is kind of, you know, that allows me to get that out of me, that actor that's just constantly nagging at me. Um, I can just do silly stuff and do sketches and um, hopefully entertain other people while I'm at it. Yeah, well, it was nice to see the the newest top five you did, which uh, games that take place at home or games where you play you're at home, um, was that you did it as someone who's watched a lot of your videos, like you did this kind of like clip show interspersal of just like, oh, I never did that thing. And then showed all the clips of you doing that thing. Yeah. uh, Which I thought was a lot of fun. Um, You say it's your last top five. You're just coming back (laughs) for one more. I find it very hard to believe. Um, Yeah. It is. It's got to be the last one. As I was putting it together, I was just like, I can totally see why I don't do this anymore. This is so effing hard to do. <laughs> okay, so how that came about was, um, you know, I'm actually enjoying the quarantine. Obviously, I know this is a terrible thing that's happening, and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, very aware that people are sick, and it's a very bad thing. But as someone who always stays at home anyway, I'm very much a homebody. I was homeschooled growing up. My parents were stay at home. I have a stay-at-home mom and my dad work from home. And I don't, I'm just that type of person. I would rather just stay in my house and just create all day. That's what I want to do. I don't want to go outside. There's people and germs in the sun and I don't have any part of that. Um, And uh, so the quarantine is actually kind of fun for me because my husband, Sean, is home now all the time. So I can say, hey, can you watch the kids for like two hours while I do something crazy? And he's like, yeah, totally. And I don't usually have that luxury. Um, So I'm really enjoying that. And uh, I was just like, I was honestly just sitting around and watching all the fun things that people were doing with their time. And, and to entertain everybody else who's stuck at home or, you know, having to still go to their job or whatever, you know, just kind of raise spirits a little bit. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, my God, how funny would it be if I did a top five? And Sean's like, you totally have to do it. And then I texted like two of my friends who used to kind of help me out with the show a little bit. And I'm like, should I do this? And they're like, yes, do it. So I had to I had to rummage for so long to find my hard drive that had all the old episodes on it. And uh, as I was. You know, because I had to recreate all the graphics. Like, I didn't have that. I used to edit with Final Cut, and now I do it with Premiere. And so I didn't have the video, the old files. So I had to just right. recreate all the graphics totally from scratch. Um, and I was going back and watching some of these old Top 5 episodes. And I'm like, you know what? This was a damn good show. This was really <laughs> funny. <laughs> there was a lot that was making me laugh that I didn't remember that I did or said. And... Um, you know, I, it just made me really happy. And, you know, especially as a 
creative person, I'm sure you feel this way too. You look back at old projects and you kind of just cringe because you are such a perfectionist and you remember all the ways that you could have done better and you remember all the mistakes you made. I mean, on a weekly basis, I had people calling me out on top five for for things that I said wrong, for facts that I gave that weren't true or I misspoke. Um, I used to have... I used to never travel, um, so I didn't experience a lot of other cultures. I ha- I've since have traveled a lot and learned so much. And uh, But I used to, like, my parents never traveled, and growing up, I never left America. And so I was really bad at identifying accents, and um, that came up a lot on Top 5. Like, there would be, <laughs> I remember um, I was talking about Bioshock, and... You know, I didn't even think about it, but I was just like, what's this Australian dude talking about? And like, clearly now he's Irish and it's like an amazing yeah. Irish accent. And I've since been to Ireland and spent a lot of time there and actually kind of mastered the Irish accent. So like, it's little moments like that, that I just cringe and I'm like, oh, why did I say that? Like, I'm so ashamed. Um, but then having all this time pass, I look back on the show and I'm like, you know what? This is really funny and I'm proud of it and I'm glad I did it. Um so yeah, doing the top five again was just kind of to make everybody smile who used to support the show and like the show. And uh, I think it definitely worked. I mean, I had so many people tweeting at me and saying, oh man, like I used to watch this in college or, you know, this is how I found you and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it just really made me happy that um, I was able to make everybody smile, you know, after like 800 hours of editing and research. And blah, blah. <laughs> that was always the problem with top five is that I, I was a one woman show. And right. um, so I had, you know, it's not like I'm just talking about one game. I'm talking about five games and I'm picking those five games out of thousands of games. So I have to research, you know, the top 20 and then pick five out of those. And it's like a lot of them are games I haven't played. And so just the research alone takes hours. And then the filming I have to do by myself. And then the editing and the finding the assets. I mean, it's a production. So sadly, it really is probably my last top five. (laughs) Unless I can gather a team of people to do all the work for me. That'd be great. (laughs) Isn't that the dream? You come up with the concept and then get other people to do the work. (laughs) Yeah, it's why most of my podcasts are fairly conversational is I I automatically give myself a little less work to do because while I do some research, especially for my gaming podcast, because we talk about like, you know, uh, tropes in gaming and like certain things we want to highlight. The research is on a lower level because I'm I'm referencing a a swath of games and I'm not focusing on like one specific thing. So I get that. Like, especially like uh, all of my other shows besides this one have co-hosts. And if I Mm -hmm. didn't have co-hosts and someone to share the load with, I would go insane. Uh, Yeah, conversation is definitely that that you know having somebody else to bounce off of is definitely easier you can kind of call each other out and also when it's a conversational type of project it's not you're not as much putting yourself up on a pedestal as like i'm the knower of all things (laughs) which as a host you usually kind of have to do that's like how you sell a show um there's actually a lot of hosting that I do here in Vegas, just kind of like side projects where I'm hosting for companies that I don't really know anything about. Um, But because I'm the one with the microphone, I have to prove to everyone that I know what I'm talking about. I actually just did a great gig with um, Link Belt Excavators. And I don't know anything about farming equipment and construction (laughs) equipment. I know nothing, but I'm the one up there with the microphone. So yeah, I'm going to play to my strengths and make it fun and I don't think everyone in the audience was looking at me to be an excavator expert I sure hope not um (laughs) but I still had to make sure that I did my research and learned about all this equipment and and could you know easily command the crowd so um so yeah 
It's tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, for me, the dream of of this show is steering a conversation that mostly is the guest the guest is leading, right? Like, they're talking about things in their life or whatever. As far as I'm concerned, the less of me, the better, because most people are probably tuning in for the person I'm having on and not me anyway. Oh, don't sell yourself short. I mean, that's the most <laughs> fun thing about being on a podcast is getting to talk to you. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, sure. You know, I like talking about, you know, my work and stuff that I'm doing. But obviously, like, you know, I'm here to chat with you, dude. Well, and I appreciate that. Uh, as someone who you've always had such a great and open online presence that I, I really loved. Like there are a ton of folks I interact with on Twitter who don't respond when you say something nice. And that's fine. Right. Like everybody's busy. But it really does feel like you try and go out of your way to interact with the people who like your work. And I appreciate that as someone who enjoys your work. Thank um, you. I do try. I definitely try. Like I, I go weeks at a time without paying attention to my social media because I just can't find the time to do it. It really sure. does fall to the bottom of the to-do list. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I, I, I will go weeks at a time where I, I won't respond to people or, you know, I'll be like, I'll, I'll want to respond to somebody, but then the tweet was like, you know, a month ago and I'll be like, oh, maybe I just want to respond But I do try. So, I mean, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's sweet. Um, so let's move on to your book, your young adult novel, your first book ever, My Ash Ridley book. and the Phoenix. Yay. So yes. um, I want to talk first about how this came to be, because this is, you know, people who know you might know you from gaming or from all that, you know, comedy and acting. And this is a young adult, I'm guessing some semblance of fantasy. I'm guessing in the realm of a lot of other magic oriented young adult books, you can just um, say Harry Potter. It's fine. I know that's what you want to <laughs> say. That's what everybody says. <laughs> um, but I'm curious where the idea for this came from. Is this something that you've kind of been dreaming up for a while? Or is it something that struck you later on? Like, where did this story come from? Totally. So I attribute my becoming an actor to fantasy books mm-hmm. for kids. So I was, you know, between the ages of eight and 12 and I would just go to my local Barnes and Noble and I would sit in that colorful kids area and I would just pick out books that uh based on the cover you know what I mean like when you're a kid you don't you're not perusing reviews you're not going on Amazon and be like oh how many stars does this have how do do people feel about the story and you know does this story have plot holes like I didn't care like if there if there was a colorful fantasy book that had a dragon on the front I picked it up and and I bought it and it was mine and um I would just sit in the bookstore and just flip through them. And then, you know, I would, you know, buy, try to buy one every single time I was there. So even now I just have shelves and shelves of these, um, these fantasy adventures for kids. And I, I don't want to call, <laughs> I don't really want to call my book young adult because I feel like a lot of YA novel novels are all about like the brooding teenager and like <laughs> the love story and like, uh, and mine's totally not that mine is very much a middle grade novel, which is a slightly younger audience, mm-hmm. um, very much in line with the first Harry Potter book. So okay. the Harry Potter books, you know, developed with their audience and got a little more mature and dark as they went on. Uh, but not the first one. The first one is still very light and fun and adventurous. And that's totally in line with mine. Um, so, you know, back in the day when I was reading all any story about dragons I could get my hands on, um, you know, I would put pieces of stories together in my own head as I was daydreaming. And, and I just always came up with this one concept about 
you know, I loved every any story that was like a little boy and like a, a befriends a dragon or, you know, a little boy <laughs> finds a dragon egg and now they're best friends forever. And I was like, man, um, you know, I'd love to do one about a girl who befriends a creature, but like what kind of creature? And I was always really drawn to the phoenix because it's it wasn't super represented in the books that I was reading. But what a fascinating creature that gets to kind of start over its life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, you can equate that to so much of a human life, of like those moments where you just kind of hit rock bottom and you need to start again. You know, it's like there's so much you can do with that concept. And I loved that idea. Um, so it was actually way back when I was a kid that I came up with the initial concept. And then through the years, I just kind of kept developing it and developing it in my brain and kind of borrowing my favorite scenes from books and movies as I went on and then eventually, you know, developed this full story. And it was 2013 where I'm like, you know what? I'm writing this. I have to do this. It's a story that's in, it's in me. And it's been like knocking on my chest for so long saying, let me out. I just have to do it. And um, I finished it in 2014. And yeah, it took that long from 2014 till now to get this thing published. The book world takes a long time (laughs) to do anything. And so 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 the, the writing process only took about a year? I would say a year and a half. I took a good six months of research. Mm -hmm. So um, my book borrows a lot of different folklore and mythical creatures from different cultures all around the world. So, you know, I'm borrowing from, you know, Scottish folklore and, and, uh, you know, Indian folklore and, you know, anything you can think of, you know, Greek, Norse, you know, everything. my book is has a lot, a lot, a lot of creatures in it, and I didn't want to make up all of them because that's way too difficult for kids to keep track of. Um, right. You know, like you have um, was the uh, what's the spider in Harry Potter, the like Arantula or something like that. Um, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. So like, I love that she came up with these unique creatures, but my book has like hundreds of them in it, and <laughs> I wanted kids to be able to have that visual reference if they didn't know, you know, if they don't know what a manticore is, they can go on the internet and Google it and they're like, okay, that's what it is. So right. my book has all these different magical creatures in it, and uh, borrowing from all these different legends and cultures. So it really took months and months of researching and outline to make sure that I was honoring these cultures but also putting my own spin on it if that makes sense yeah totally. and and at the same time making it digestible for a 12 year old (laughs) so (laughs) that's awesome i mean what's really interesting to me is that uh, first of all you talked about shopping for books by the cover did that inspire the cover artwork because it is very striking and very beautiful and a mix of really great colors like did your knowledge and love of that kind of shopping inspire how you would make the cover for the book yes and you're gonna laugh because i am your classic like overachiever (laughs) not in the (laughs) sense that i'm you know smarter than everybody but in the sense that like people often need to tell me like, okay, can you just calm down? You just slow down just a little bit. We're going to take a step back. So like as soon as I got my initial book deal, which this is actually my second one for this book, and I can go into that in a, in a little bit because um, mm-hmm. that's also a very – it's a roller coaster of emotions. Um, <laughs> but uh, I 
as soon as I like finished the book, I knew exactly what I wanted the cover to look like. And uh, I'm a pretty good Photoshopper. I've been doing it since I was like, you know, since the program came out, basically. And I completely Photoshopped what I wanted the cover to look like, just from top to bottom, like, you know, pulling compositing images from all over the internet. And when they're like, do you have any ideas about the cover art? I'm like, boom, here's a JPEG. This is what I want it to look like. And they were like, um, we can't really do that. Because <laughs> it was like a whole thing of they needed to, then they had to find like an artist to create it. And it was just way too hard. So they're like, okay, that's great that you are so committed to this image. But can you instead work with our artists and like create something a little different? And, um, you know, so we brainstormed what is now the cover and I like it so much better than what I originally planned. You know, it has all those colors that I think of when I think of a, a fantasy novel for kids. It has those purples and those golds and those teals and yeah. you know, you look at it and you see this little girl just dreaming of this fiery phoenix and you know, it's got the sparkles and it's just like everything about it is like fantasy novel and I love it so much. <laughs> I have a box awesome. of them right next to me. It's just it's surreal. That's amazing, yeah. And I, I imagine it must be a little weird, right? Like, as creators, it takes a lot for us to believe in our creation sometimes, right? Like, we have to really get revved up yes. for it. And then once it becomes a reality, it's, like, split between, oh, my God, I'm so excited and proud, and, oh, my God, what if this is terrible? Like, oh, I yeah. think a lot no, of artists' I... brains go to that. Um, yeah. So, so it must be a little surreal to actually have your physical book in front of you and to, for it to really exist. Um, and it, and yeah. it seems like it, you said before, it took a long time. And so you were saying that there was more than one book deal and that there was an issue with the initial one. Yes. And uh, and just on that note, you're totally right. I go back and forth every day with <laughs> this story and everything else I do. Uh, I go between like, this is the best thing I've ever done to this is absolute garbage and everyone's going to hate it. But that's just like your typical creator <laughs> mindset. Um, yeah. So my initial deal for this book was through an incredible company called Her Universe. And it was oh, started yes. by Ashley Eckstein, who mm -hmm. does the voice of Ahsoka Tano on Star Wars Clone Wars. She's a very good friend of mine. We actually go way back to um, acting days. Like, we used to go out on the same auditions, and we had the same manager. It was super weird. And then we reconnected, like, years later. And, um, I, you know, I've always seen her company and always really liked it. And then at one point, she s the company sent out this search they were searching for middle grade and young adult young adult fantasy and sci-fi novels geared toward little girls and i'm like oh my god i have a finished one right now <laughs> like i have it this is perfect like everything about this book falls in line with what they were looking for what the company does who their audience is i'm like this is absolutely perfect so i submitted to their contest and um and they selected it and they selected, uh, I, I can't remember how many others. It was like five or six others, maybe. Um, and, uh, and yeah, they were going to release what was called Her Universe Press. Um, and unfortunately, their company went in a different direction. In <laughs> It went in such a big, successful, amazing direction that they just didn't have room for the book department anymore. Um, right. So their company's thriving and doing just fine. But of course, you know, the authors who were part of it over here are just like, boohoo, like, we're so sad because like we <laughs> wanted to have our books released. Um, but then uh, I got a second deal, uh, I want to say a year or two afterward with an amazing company called Permuted Press. Uh, and uh, they've just been nothing but professional and amazing this whole journey. And they've walked me through, you know, how it all works because I, I've experienced so many different aspects of entertainment 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done singing and, and I was in the dancing world and, you know, acting and live stage, and, you know, theater, like everything you can imagine, you know, improv, like anything in, in the entertainment world, like I've, I've done except for writing and like releasing a book. And I had no contacts. Like that's the hard thing is usually, you know, if you have a project, you know somebody you can call or you can network. I had nobody. I did not know where to start. So especially when um, – Oh, I didn't even mention that before the Her Universe deal, I had queried to, I want to say, over 100 literary agents, and they all either said no or they didn't respond. So, hey, writers, keep going, (laughs) (laughs) because I felt like an absolute failure for a pretty long time, just getting no after no after no after no, and these agents didn't care that I had a platform or that I was a former actor or that I had a great acting resume. They didn't care. You know, they would read my one paragraph description or not at all. Like, I mean, who knows? These guys are getting hundreds and hundreds of emails. And, uh, you know, I, I pretty much got a no from every single one of them. So I would just like to inspire everybody out there listening that if you have a book, like, don't take no for an answer. Just keep going. Don't take these anybody else's no as an indication that your work isn't good you just have to find the right person who loves it and believes in it and that's permuted and they absolutely believe in it and they've created you know a whole press kit for it and they're you know reaching out to so many people to promote it and you know every step of the process they've just been so wonderful um so yeah here i am it's it's in i don't know when this podcast is going up but as of right now it releases in three days which is april april 21st so if it's up after april 21st go buy my book go buy my book (laughs) go buy my book go do it you will love it um it will be out after um this will be out two weeks from this tuesday so Okay, uh, then go I'll... buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'll actually ask you to do is uh, to send me a link to where you want people to purchase it from, and I'll make sure that in the show notes I put all that information so people can go get it. Fantastic. Um, I I mean, I, I think it's awesome to see people that I respect and who do great work to expand into other fields. I mean, and I feel like it's more common now, right, especially in the quarantine as of when we're recording, like – you could have 10 projects, but there might be a, an, an 11th project of something you've never tried that you're like, well, I might as well, right? I have the time. Um, and expanding yeah. kind of the things you're working on. Um, with your return to video and your promoting of this book, are there any other things that you've started working on that now that you kind of feel like you have more time while other projects are on hold that you might not have necessarily worked on before? Things that you uh, are excited to try that maybe you haven't done before? I mean... Th- This month and last month, I'm pretty much focusing on the book. It's kind of my, Mm -hmm. you know, first priority. But I taught myself how to play guitar, I want to say, two years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm obsessed with it and I love it. And so, yeah, I'm continuing to get better at that. And um, I'm writing music, which is a a whole nother, you know, creative you know, branch of my tree here that I'm exploring that, yeah. um, you know, I've never really done that before. Um, in fact, I, I, I wrote a couple songs when I was younger and uh, I basically just recorded them into a tape recorder and then I took them to a, my music producer friend and I'm like, make this a song. <laughs> and they did. But I, you know, I had, <laughs> that was like my involvement. Uh, but now to, you know, to be able to come up with, 
you know, different chord prog- progressions and match lyrics to <clears throat> song, you know, your chords and your music that you're creating with your fingers. It's very, very cool. <clears throat> I'm sure a lot of guitar players are listening to this right now and they're like, what a noob. But it's true. Like, it's, it's a really fun thing. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, I remember, like, because I'd known you from acting and hosting and, like, that kind of stuff. And then when you released Edge of the World with Miracle of Sound and did the live-action video, I was like, oh, shit, she can sing, too? Fuck. Awesome. Oh, that was like, so much fun. Um, So talk a little bit about that. Like, Yeah, I, I've been singing since I was a kid. I actually started singing before I started acting. And I was classically trained, so I went through... Um, actually, I did opera lessons for a really long time. Uh, I was singing these songs in Italian that I had no idea what they meant. <laughs> I was, you know, a little twelve-year-old, just like, and I have no idea what I'm saying. Um, but uh, yeah, so I have been singing forever and ever and ever, and I love it, and it and it is another um, passion of mine. And yeah, and obviously, I knew Gavin at Miracle of Sound through The Escapist. Yep. And uh, we met one time at the Esca- Escapist Expo because obviously he lives in um, Cork, uh, Ireland, and I do not. <laughs> and we met up at the it, was it North Carolina I think for the Escapist Expo. And we just hit it off, and um, he approached me about doing the Lara Croft song. And then a year after we did it, I approached him about doing the live action music video. And he was so hesitant because I'm like, you have to be on camera. He's like, no. He's like, it should just be you. Like, you're the one who looks good on camera. Like, you do it. And I'm like, no way. You have to do this. So I think I pushed him out of his comfort zone. And uh, he hired a crew in Ireland to film him playing guitar and singing. And I think it turned out really well, despite all of the hiccups we ran into. We got out into the desert to film my footage, me and my crew, and then um, we're, we're miles and miles away from civilization, and then um, the monitor breaks for our camera, so oh, no. we have no way of pulling focus, um, so that's why some of the shots in the video are not super crisp and clear, mm-hmm. um, because we had no way of doing it. We had one day to shoot it, we were out in the middle of the desert, we didn't have a monitor, so you know it's not our fault, but... I had to make to this make the decision of like, do we just cancel it or do we just keep going? And I'm like, let's just keep going. Like, we're gonna get something that we can use. And um, I don't know who told me this, but um, I was talking to somebody a long time ago. I was like obsessing over color correction and you know like editing and like oh does it look good does it need this like filter and vignette not this project but like something else and I was just like oh like I want to be a better editor but I don't really know what I'm doing and they said something like all that matters is that a shot evokes the emotion that you want it to it doesn't matter if it's perfectly shot it doesn't matter if it's perfectly clear it doesn't matter if the colors are right or the whatever if the shot you're looking at evokes the right emotion that's the shot you use and you're doing it right. And I'm like, you know what? That's so true. And I, and after I heard that, I was just a lot less hard on myself. And so even though some of the shots aren't perfect in the music video, I still think they, you know, they, they portray what they, what I want them to portray. And I still think it's a beautiful video. I think it turned out great. Um, so yeah, I, that was a lot of fun. I hope I get to do that with Gavin again. Maybe I'll call him up. Yeah, that, yeah, you should. I mean, that was really cool. And it, it's always fun. Like, we all kind of exist on the internet now, right? That's just kind of the nature of things. And it's yeah. always fun when someone I'm following who does X or Y then does Z. And you're like, oh, I didn't know they could do that, even if they could always yeah. do it. It's always fun to discover those things. So um, it's funny that you say that. I was actually just thinking about this, um, like, 
I think it was like last year I had this kind of like come to Jesus moment, I would say, where uh, (laughs) I had so many different things I wanted to do and so many different things I was pursuing at once that my husband, Sean, had to literally sit me down. We were at some crappy casino somewhere in Vegas, like a local casino, like the Fiesta or something terrible, Mm -hmm. like drinking a beer. And I was just like, you know, not feeling good about my life and just like, I'm not as successful as I want to be. What am I doing wrong? And he's like, you are not focusing on what you want to do. You're focusing on like 12 things that you want to do. He's like, your problem is you're talented in so many different areas that you can't put all your efforts into one. And so that's, that was actually a big problem for me is that I love singing and I want to do that. And I love hosting and I want to do that. And I like YouTube. I want to do that. I like writing. I want to do that. I like screenwriting. I want to do that. But I know acting, of course I want to do that. And oh, dancing. I like to do that too. But I can't. I can't do all of it. There's only only right. so many hours in the day, so I really have to scale back and figure out what I want to do and kind of go gung-ho on that. And that's actually really hard for me because <laughs> I'm so <laughs> passionate about so many things. So I do my best to, you know, again, I use the phrase scratch the itch. Like I do my best to, uh, you know, to fulfill all of my creative dreams, but it's hard, man. Yeah, I mean, and I get that. I feel like we're kindred spirits in that way. I mean, I have five podcasts, four of which I host, and three of which, two of which I produce, and then there's another podcast that I don't even host that I'm helping audio engineer and and produce. And it's like oh it's become God. a running gag amongst my friends. Yeah, they're like, "How many podcasts?" Like everyone's like, "I don't understand. <laughs> How do you have time to do literally anything else?" Um, That's insane! Wow. Oh, and I'm also a professional DJ. I used to host burlesque shows. Um, Like, it's not like that's all I did either. Now I'm trying, but but just like you, like I had a come to Jesus moment when I was DJing, you know, eight or nine shows a month. I was like, I have no time to really grow any of my podcasts. And if I focused in on that, like that's something I could grow. And it took a while to come to that moment. And like three of my shows are on a network and I've been chatting with the head of the network a lot lately and we're talking about ways to grow the network and bring in new podcasts and reach larger audiences and engage on Discord. And it's stuff that even a year ago I wasn't talking about because my brain was in like eight directions at once. And I had to have like my spouse, Sarah, sit me down and be like, if you want this thing, go for that thing. Yes, you may not be in front of crowds anymore you may like lose you know there might be a financial loss to going in that direction but who cares if it's what you want to grow yeah you have to you have to bet on yourself you really do and i think this is a great message to get out there to other creators um you know because look we're young like i don't want to call anybody in their 30s old but we also (laughs) are not getting any younger and we do have to you know in our 30s we have to laser focus on what we want to do and bet on ourselves and keep going until we achieve what we want to achieve and not spend so much time on other little things that are not the passion and um it really does make me sad but it's so true you know it's like i i don't really dance as much as i used to i don't you know i i still sing but only here and there i'm not trying to pursue a music career and you know i've really boiled it down to um, acting and writing. I actually just recently kind of got back into the SAG after acting industry. You know, I, I just did a, a guest star on the new All That, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know when that's going to air, but that was so much fun. Um, so I am kind of more laser focused on my writing and getting back into the acting industry. So sadly, my YouTube channel does kind of take a back seat to that because 
you know, I love hosting videos and doing fun stuff on YouTube, but that, but those are very precious hours that I need to bundle up and push toward a different passion. (laughs) So it's tough, man. But I, you know, we're doing our best. We're doing, we're doing all right. You and me, Matt, we're doing good. (laughs) Well, Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, and, and I, and I get you, like, it is sad to let go of stuff. And like, it's like breaking your own heart almost, right? Like you're, you're making a decision to end something or not focus on something as much that you would, if you could, if you had limitless hours and energy, you would do everything, but that's just not a reality. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about someone who that if we don't bring him up at some point, people might riot, which is, of course, Kevin, your your nemesis. Kevin! Um, I do appreciate that over the years, even on Twitter, even like on Instagram, like Kevin has just evolved into this life of his own and just has such a dick he's such a dick and what I, what I love is I think my favorite part of the newest video was the sketch you did with him on the couch like startling you I have to ask does he scare you out of nowhere in real life all the time is that what inspired something like that you know what that little mother effort was so happy to be back on camera can I just he loves being on camera I do not force that kid into show business that little kitty is just like such a freaking narcissist he's like put me on camera (laughs) he was so so stoked i swear that he usually spends his time under the bed upstairs Uh just like doing his own thing and then comes down to like you know annoy me every once in a while and then like puke on something and then goes back upstairs um i swear as i was setting up the camera in the living room he came down was like hey oh what's going on you need me on set here i'm right here you know me like oh my god you little spidey sense. Like, oh, they they need my beautiful cat face on camera. Um, he does actually scare me a lot. He, um, <laughs> I sleep, for some reason, I sleep really, really close to the edge of the bed. Uh-huh. I, that's just where I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable on the edge. Um, <laughs> but somehow he finds the smallest space between my body and the edge of the bed to jump up so i'll be laying there at night and it'll be dark and then just everything's calm and then oh my god Kevin's there, and he just jumps up like next to my face and just scares the bejesus out of me like you're such an a-hole um but uh yeah so it's partly inspired by that and partly just something i randomly came up with like five minutes before we filmed um but that is actually something i miss doing on youtube is working with that stupid cat. I love him to death. I know that I I know that I hate him online and I do hate him in real life, but I also love him so much. He's such sure. a good cat and he's so fluffy and soft. God, he's like the softest cat I've ever felt in my life. And I have no idea how old he is. He's like old as crap. He's like I don't know, 8 or 9. I have no idea. Um like once you get kids, you're just like I don't care about my animals birthdays anymore like you don't really matter like are you fed and happy and okay you're good (laughs) leave me alone for a while (laughs) you still exist so you're fine you still exist yeah um so uh yeah and he he really does high five on command i know that i've posted a couple videos of it but all you have to do is go up to him and put your hand up and say high five and he freaking high fives you he's a high he's a high-fiving cat it's so cool so the yeah, coolest he was thing. happy to uh, do a sketch again. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I love, I just, I, I, is there something just super amusing to that dynamic of this? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, all cats are assholes. So like, you know, yeah. it's just par for the course. But it's just there's something about that dynamic that's fun. Also, like, I mean... I like goofy, stupid shit. I, I think we are kindred <laughs> spirits there. And like the, the energy, like even in the most recent video is you just like being a goofball. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Like 
Something you I've know, learned over the last few years is you can't take yourself that seriously because there's no fun in that. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I was taught that at a very young age. You know, I booked Nickelodeon when I was 14. And believe it or not, before that, I was a really shy kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I did competitive dancing. So whenever I was on stage or, you know, and doing theater or something like that, yeah, I like lit up and I was great in front of an audience and I loved performing. But off stage, you know, I was super, super shy and I didn't have a lot of friends. And especially when I moved to California, I joined a brand new dance studio and I just I was so intimidated by all the other girls that I just I went to class every day and I just didn't really talk to anybody. And I just kind of sat in the corner and I was so worried about wearing the right thing and doing the right thing and saying the wrong thing and whatever that I just, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm never going to be popular. I'm never going to be cool. And I just really overthought it when I was a kid. And then I booked Nickelodeon. And the mindset that they instilled in me is you just can never be afraid to make a fool of yourself. If you embarrass yourself, but you do it confidently, people respect you. (laughs) You know, it's like, don't do something stupid and then cower and be embarrassed by it. Like when we were doing, you know, trying out new characters and new sketches on all that, like we did some of the dumbest stuff ever in front of the director. And yeah, he would pull us this way and that way and be like, ah, you know, not, not so much that way. Try it this way. But you know, it's so much easier to reel an actor back than it is to pull them out of their shell. And so that was like a big lesson for us. And it was was quite a boot camp for all the kids on that show to just not be afraid of anything. And then on top of making a fool of yourself in front of all these producers, directors, executives, and a sea full of live children in the live audience, um, you're still doing crazy wacky things like getting slime all over you or getting covered in melted cheese or like I had to put a cockroach in my mouth at one point or let tarantulas crawl on my arms, you know, or you're up, you know, they're hoisting you up on a harness, you know, like you just have to be fearless when you're on that show and doing that for four years, I think made me fearless Yeah. because I'm just not afraid to be dumb anymore. (laughs) People enjoy it. So I'm just going to be dumb and I'm going to be goofy and that's that's just who I am. And uh, if people like you enjoy it, then that makes me happy. And people who don't enjoy it, they can, you know, keep walking and <laughs> it's all good. But you just got to commit to being who you are and not try to change yourself for who you think your audience wants, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, so I, I stream on Twitch and I have a very, fairly small audience, but I, I couldn't do it for a while because I kept burning myself out trying to think of, well, what does the audience want, right? Like I have to play right. something that they want to watch. I have to do something they want to watch. And then um, I met the incredible streamer Cypher of Tear, Tanya, who told me like, that shit doesn't matter. If you don't, if you have an audience and people actually give a shit about what you're making, they will watch what you're making. It doesn't matter what it is. If you feel like if just If you build it, they will people, come. Pretty much, yeah. And like that was such a valuable lesson to me because it gave me the energy to work on things that I might not have otherwise because I got, I would get so far of my head of myself going like, well, they're not going to like this and I have to do this to make people happy. And and that's no way to create because then you don't actually get to the core of what you want to make, which is the important part. Yeah, it takes a long time to learn that. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to know that when you're a teenager sure. and um, kind of in those formative years, you know, when you're younger and you're trying to discover who you are. You know, I had to step away from the acting industry when I was around 18 because um, I was just too far into it and uh, I got too obsessed with it. And the thing about 
acting especially is that you don't have control over your success. Yeah. Um, one of the best quotes I've ever heard is your success will be determined when you're not in the room. Yeah. It's going to be determined by people that know you and make a decision about you, but it will be in a room that you're not in. Um, and with acting, like I could be the best actor who auditioned, but I don't have the right look and that's not my fault. And I was yeah. taking it way too serious, way too seriously and way too personally. And I would think that I didn't get roles because I wasn't good enough. When in reality, you'd watch the girl who did book the role on TV and you'd be like, Oh, that's not me at all. <laughs> like, I can totally <laughs> tell why I didn't get that. In fact, um, uh, the guy who created my show, all that, I ended up auditioning for him for a role on Drake and Josh. Like, he just was my boss for four years. Like, nobody knew what I was capable of more than him. Plus, it was Drake and Josh. Like, I knew them. I knew everybody who worked on the show. Like, naturally, they would hire me, right? Like, this is a role I totally could do. Yeah. And he had to sit me down after the callbacks and be like, look... I please don't take this personally, but I, I'm I'm not going to hire you for this role because you just don't fit it the way I see it in my head. You just don't have it was for like more of a grungy, like rock type of person. And I was like pigtails and red hair. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, you know, you did a great job in the audition, but it's not about that. So please, like, don't take this personally, but I can't hire you for this role. And. Even with that pep talk, like I still, as a, however old I was at the time, I took it personally. And I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not even good enough to get hired by my old boss. Like what, what is going on? So thankfully my parents were smart enough to be like, you need to get out of this industry right now and go live <laughs> amongst normal people, not in Hollywood, get your head on your shoulders and then you can come back when you want. And thank God I did that uh, because I'm a way more level-headed person now than I was back then and that I would have been if I would have stayed in Hollywood my whole life. So super happy about that. But, uh, but yeah, you know, as a, as a creator and actor and performer, because you are, you're a performer when you're on Twitch, all you can do is just, you know, trust your instincts, be yourself, do the best you can do, and then just let the universe kind of decide on your success (laughs) because you can't really control it. Yeah. You know? And it's and there's so much competition for attention that if you worry about your audience too much, you're not going to find one, right? It's 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 more important to focus on the thing you want to make, and then it, there'll be an audience. I mean, of all the podcasts I do, the one that's most successful is I do a Mass Effect podcast. It's a retrospective nice. about that game series, and it's me and my co-host replaying the games as if we were Commander Shepard and making decisions if we were in the character's shoes and then rationalizing why we made those decisions and that's part of the discussion and yeah and it's a lot of fun and it's chapter by chapter and it was it was a dream project that we were working on for a while that we eventually started because we were both just so obsessed with that game and of all the shows I do it has the largest response because it's a hyper-focused super specific fandom that doesn't have a ton of new content Uh, yeah and it's the niche but I would have never guessed that it would have had the most interaction but it has because of that but that's not what Dude, we were thinking when we were making it. The internet, man. It is so <laughs> bonkers. You have to be one way or the other. You either have to play a total character or you have to be yourself because the internet yeah. can smell BS from a mile away. And if you're kind of in the middle where you're not really yourself but you're tr- kind of trying to be something you're not, the yeah. internet will recognize it and destroy you. Um, but on that same note, God, you can just never predict what people want to see on the internet. There are videos that I spent so long on that I was so confident would be a home run and everyone would love it. It'd get 
bazillions of views and then it fell completely flat and then um i'm not sure if you're familiar with my holiday recipe video oh i am uh the one time i went (laughs) organically viral i got 20 million views in a week i believe yeah um completely organically i did not promote it i didn't do anything all i did was upload it to facebook and the universe took over and um it was insane. The most fun thing about that was just watching the stats behind the scenes, you know, because when yeah. you have a, you know, that, 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 you know, public Facebook, the, what's it, so, no, whatever the, the special Facebook account when you're like a, ah, you know what I'm trying to say, like that yes. celebrity, the, I don't want to say the, that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The professional yeah. The, the, page. Yes, I the guess. professional, yeah, the professional like <laughs> business Facebook, you get all these stats and all these charts and all this uh-huh. crap in the, in the, you know, back, back end of it. And I'm, we're just like watching, you know, like, oh, look at this million people came from this country and this over here is like, it was insane watching that. And just, you know, thousands and thousands of comments and hundreds of thousands of shares. And I'm just like, I threw this video together in one hour. (laughs) My micro, I didn't even use my microphone. I just used my crappy camera microphone. I didn't even think it was that funny when I made it. I I, I literally, it was when I was doing weekly YouTube content. And um, I also had a, a, like a six month old baby. And I'm like, I have to do something while she's napping. What do I do? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to, uh, it's Christmas. Um, people like recipes. Eh, I'm just going to do this. And I just threw it together and I didn't even think. And that's the one that went viral. I would have never predicted that in a thousand, thousand years. And just letting everyone out there know, uh, especially creators who think to themselves, man, if only I could just get one viral video, if only I could get that one, you know, make that one project that gets, you know, t- 30 million views or whatever. Um, I didn't make any money from it and nothing <laughs> came from it career wise. So um, I know you want a viral video, but that's not the most important thing. I mean, I had a couple like silly offers in the comments of people like i own a jewelry business will you model some of my jewelry you know it's like that's not really a job though it's not really like a job offer yeah um but no like just because i had you know 20 million views in a week for a stupid video didn't mean i was offered an nbc show or something you know so you know all you can do is just focus on being consistent in your content you know every time you you know that's why i'm not really i'm not really super big into like you know, Instagram stories and TikTok and like constantly putting out stuff because I'm really protective of the content that I put out. Everything I put out, I want it to look professional. You know, not professional, but I want to be proud of it. I want it to look like it's been well edited and well lit and you can hear me. Um, So I'm sure that I would grow my audience a lot bigger if I was just constantly putting out like little bites of content. But it's just not me. If I'm going to do a YouTube video, I want to put effort into it. So, yeah. yeah. That makes I kind sense. Of started rambling. I don't know if I came back to the original point, but no, it's fine. It's a natural conversation. We're just we're just casual. We're hanging out. <laughs> you just have an audience while we hang out. Except the audience isn't here yet because it hasn't been posted yet. But wibbly wobbly, <laughs> timey wimey. It's uh, <laughs> yes. Um, I want to bring the conversation back to talking about uh, your book a little bit and actually talk about. If you have any plans now, of course, it's brand new, right? It's about to come out. So you have no idea what reception is going to be like. But does the story without, I guess, spoiling the story, do you have plans for future stories? Do you have other stories you want to tell besides with Ash Ridley? 
Yeah, so I'll, I mean, I'll give you a little synopsis. So sure. it's basically about a um, a twelve year old girl named Ash, and she's a, a you know a peasant girl, very poor, and she's a stable hand in a traveling circus of mythical beasts. So you know that she works for this you know horrible woman who parades these. Uh, mythical creatures around in cages and makes them perform for people and and she's the one who cleans up the cages and you know (laughs) grooms them and all that stuff and then one of the the animals in the you know in the performance in the one of the cages is the phoenix and um after he you know does his rebirthing ritual again i don't want to get too much into it but she you know befriends the baby phoenix his name is flynn and they begin this really cool journey together where they're whisked off to a school where uh, wealthy kids train magical beasts. It's kind of like a Pokemon in the sense that every kid has has a different beast, you know? So, like, uh-huh. the girl who hates her has a unicorn, and then her best friend has a an ice dragon. And so, like, that's what I was saying before. It has hundreds of different magical, mythical creatures because every kid has their own little pet, like, little mm-hmm. pet beast. Um, so yeah, and then that's the story of her going to this school and then, you know, learning how to take care of this phoenix and, you know, utilize it to the best of its ability because it's this crazy, powerful creature. And um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I wrote it definitely with the intent of a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have two, like, little cliffhangers. Like, two, there's two unanswered questions at the end um, that, I mean... You could kind of, like, I don't think it necessarily needs a sequel. Like, I think people with imaginations could kind of, you know, put it together themselves. But, man, I would love to write a sequel if it does well and people want another one. Obviously, I'm not going to force one on them if nobody likes it. <laughs> um, there's that, like, you know, creative side of my brain that's like, everybody is going to hate it and it's garbage. Um, but, uh, I mean, I would, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily needs one, but I would love to write another one. That being said, it did take me a year and a half to write the first one, and I don't have that kind of time right now. <laughs> so I would have to, you know, I would have to, like, like really figure out my schedule to sit down and be able to to write another one. But, you know, it's it's such a cool adventure delving into the literary world. I've just never done it before, and I have mm-hmm. no idea if 12 people are going to read this book or, like, a 1,000 people are going to read this book or more or less. I don't know, um, but it's just it's fun to do something different. So who knows? And, and I actually wanted to ask, with that, I know that you're working on the audiobook. You are reading your own book, which must be somewhat yes. surreal. Um, and are you – so I'm curious about your approach to doing a fantasy book as an audiobook, are you doing different character voices? Are you like kind of creating the narrative using your voice? I imagine as a voice actress, oh, you would want to do something Matt, like that. Matt, let me tell you, let me tell you, <laughs> I performed this book. <laughs> um, it's so funny because I was supposed to go to, I got a really good audiobook deal through um, recorded books. Like they were super mm-hmm. interested in it and they wanted me to come to LA to record the book in their studios with their you know, um, audio engineers and all that fun stuff. But unfortunately, this little pandemic uh, made that not happen. So I actually had to borrow equipment from an amazing audio engineering company in town here called Dog and Pony. Mm-hmm. And John and James work there. They're super good friends of mine. And they were so sweet to lend me some awesome audio equipment. I'm looking at it right now. And uh, and I set up a makeshift recording booth in my house. And it took me, I think, three days of just reading this book. And um, 
the cool thing about getting to do it on my own time is that I could try out different character voices and I could redo parts and I didn't have to worry about wasting someone else's time, you know? Um, It was just me in my house and I had as much time as I wanted. So yeah, I gave every line of that book, uh, you know, effort and passion and every character has a different voice and I was flailing my limbs as I was doing it and I worked (laughs) up a sweat and I mean, I had to like take long breaks after some chapters where I had many characters talking back and forth to each other because, you know, I would go back and forth between like four different voices in a couple paragraphs. And I'm just like, oh my God, I need to take a break. (laughs) This is really hard. (laughs) But it was so much fun. And um, it actually, you know, I was joking earlier about this kind of coming full circle that uh, you don't really get to act by yourself. Um, But I kind of did, you know, when I did the audiobook, I really did get to spend hours acting and it was so much fun. That man, that would be a reason to write a sequel right there is that I get to do another audiobook. So (laughs) I don't know which one I'm, I'm more excited for at this point, the actual physical written book or the audiobook because man that was a lot of fun and um i i feel like i really did bring it to life i've only listened to about three audiobooks in my life because i really do like to hold a book and smell it and <laughs> um but the audiobooks that i've listened to um the author the author didn't really perform it you know just kind of read it straight so i have no idea if what i did is going to be you know, well-liked. I don't know if if people will enjoy what I did or if they're going to be like, well, once again, you need to calm down. (laughs) Okay, overachiever, can you just, like, take it down a notch, please? (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. We'll see. I feel like personally, as someone who listens to a lot of podcasts and likes, if I'm listening to something narrative, I like it to be performative. I feel like that's a good fit. Um, I Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't listen to a good ton to of uh, fiction audiobooks. I mostly listen to autobiographical mm-hmm. audiobooks because they're essentially like long-winded podcasts. Um, yeah. But, but I, as someone who enjoys your performances, I feel like that's kind of a match made in heaven. And I have to assume that at least a portion of people are going to come to this knowing your other work. And so they want to hear that in the book and in the in the audiobook if they're coming to it. I hope so. And thank you so much for the compliment. I mean, I, I, I do really try to put my heart and soul into everything I do. And the audiobook was no different. And um, uh, it, I almost didn't get to do it because with the pandemic and everything and me not being able to do it in the recording studio they they did um mention that they would have one of their other narrators do it and i just flipped out i'm like <laughs> no like this was part of my dream since i was a kid is to do the oh, my own audiobook like please let me do it please 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 and they're like fine if you can find a way to make it sound good you can do it and i did find a way gosh dang it um so yeah i hope people enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> um, before we wrap up, um, first, I want to thank you for taking your time and being so generous with your time. Um, it's an honor to have you on the show. Um, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, before I have you sign us off, why don't you tell folks where they can find you on the internet and where the best place to buy the book is? Um, since I know different sellers, blah, 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 like I'm sure there are preferred places you'd like for them to get this in the audiobook. So please pitch away. Yeah, well, um, thank you. You're saying so many nice things about me. I appreciate it. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter, at Lisa Foils, you know, on Facebook, at Lisa Foils Official, Instagram, 
Lisa Voiles, you know, in this day and age, you can just search my name and I will be there. Um, as for the book, it really doesn't matter where you get it. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I think at this point it will be delayed, but only like a couple days, I think. People are getting emails that, um, you know, it's supposed to arrive on the 21st, and I think it's going to arrive on like the 23rd or something, which is so great because a lot of other books are like not coming out at all. Um, so uh, Amazon or Barnes and Noble, just search Ash Ridley and uh, you'll find it or go to leasefoils.com and I have all the links there. And uh, I know that Premier Collectibles was selling signed copies of my book. However, right now, the little buy now button is gone. So I don't know if they're experiencing difficulties with with shipping out books right now. But I, I did sign a whole bunch of books. And Premier Collectibles is, is selling those. So if you want to um, maybe hold out, I'm trying to look into that to see when those are going to be available again. But you can get a signed copy. And I don't have a link yet for the audiobook because I literally just finished the retakes yesterday. <laughs> so they are finishing up editing it right now. Um, no idea when that's going to be up, but I will post it all over social media. Um, but please, I comment, like talk to me, like tweet at me. I love talking to you guys. Uh, you know, it, hit, like hit me up. I'm not. I, I do really try to to respond to people, and um, I, I appreciate all the love and support I get from you guys. It's it's really blown me away with telling everyone that I have a book coming out. Just how many people like really support me. So it's so good. I love you guys. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, thank you for taking the time. This this honestly and truly is kind of a dream come true. I followed your career for a while, so it's great to get to chat with you. I really appreciate it. You've always been so kind online. Um, the last thing I'll have you do is we have a saying on the show, which is music is life and life is good. It's born out of the show originally starting as just a music interview show and the idea that if you're creating art, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's on fire, as long as you're creating something that you're passionate about, life is pretty good. Um, so if you could say that sign so off true. and wrap up the show, yes, uh, it's what I live by at this point, Mr. Five Podcasts and No Free Time. <laughs> if you got you it. If you want to wrap us up with that, I would really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for having me on this show. And I wholeheartedly agree that music is life and life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at crashchordsweb. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weburlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good. <laughs>